Amen. We're going to be reading from Psalms chapter 68 today. Amen. It's good to have Sister Dillingham and her kids with us. We're glad that they're here today, pastors uh, in Dayton, Ohio. Good to have Sister Norma, Sister Pat here with us today. They haven't been able to make it for a while and great to see them. Psalms chapter 68, reading a, a few verses here beginning in verse 6. It says, God setteth the solitary in families. He bringeth out those which are bound with chains, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. O God, when thou wentest forth before thy people, when thou didst march through the wilderness, Selah. The earth shook, the heavens also dropped at the presence of God. Even Sinai itself was moved at the presence of God, the God of Israel. Thou, O God, did sense the, did, did send, there's a tongue twister, I guess, didn't expect that didst send a plentiful rain whereby thou didst confirm thine inheritance when it was weary. And this morning I want to preach to you for just a little while the weary inheritance. The weary inheritance. Let's pray this morning that the Lord would have his way among us. Lord Jesus, we come before you thankful and honored to be in your presence today, God. And Lord, I'm thankful for your spirit which is in this place, the liberty, the freedom which is in this place. And Lord, I pray that you would anoint our ears to hear your word. Lord, we know that it's here to do a work, and I pray that it would find a mark today, God, that it would strengthen, that it would encourage, Lord, that your spirit would have its way today, God. We give you praise for it and glory in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Amen. Brother Blake said earlier that people were in a dry place today looking for some water, and that is exactly what I'm preaching today when it comes to the weary inheritance. Many commentators on Psalm 68 here, many commentators believe that this psalm is connected with the return of the ark to Jerusalem by King David. That procession that took place, the ark had been gone, captured by the Philistines for many years. It had been sitting on the outskirts of the camp and David decides to build a home for the ark and bring it back. And many commentators believe that this psalm was written in connection with the return of the ark to Jerusalem. It was a psalm that uh, it was sung at the Feast of Tabernacles. And it's a psalm which celebrates a victorious God as defeating not only the current enemies of Israel, but faithful in destroying and preserving Israel throughout history. In fact, the first couple verses, it's, again, it's a victorious chapter. It's a victorious psalm. And the first verses talk about let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. And this is a paraphrase of the words that Moses would use when the children of Israel were in the wilderness. And any time they were getting ready to move camp and any time the ark was about to be picked up, this is what Moses would say, let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. And so we see it is uh, the, uh, talking about God moving. It's talking about God being victorious and on the move. We find that Paul quotes from this psalm in Ephesians when he references, there's a, a verse later on in the chapter, and Paul references it in Ephesians when he talks about captivity being led captive, which is one of my favorite phrases in Scripture. When it talks about death, hell, and the grave, those things which keep us bound, those things which uh, have such a hold over our life here in the temporal life, but Jesus led captivity captive. Those things which keep us bound, Jesus Christ bound those things, and he led them captive. And so there's victory present throughout the chapter. 
And we find several points of encouragement throughout this first part of the psalm leading up to what we read. And and we find that right before that the righteous are given the command to rejoice in the righteousness that they have been given. And I'm thankful for the righteousness that I have been given in my life. That I could not attain what I have today through any means of my own. That I could not reach to where I am today just by myself. But God, Scripture says, imputed or He gave me something which was not my own. And that was His righteousness. And I'm thankful that I can stand here not in my own righteousness, but in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We find the first part of the verse that we read, verse 6, it says that God sets the solitary in families. And I'm thankful that God will not leave me alone on an island. That it doesn't matter my family circumstance. It doesn't matter who's here in church with me. It doesn't matter if I'm the only one in my family living for the Lord. That God sets the solitary in families. That He will not leave you on an island, but He puts you inside of a church. He connects you to the body. He makes you a part of a body of believers. And Paul says that we are fitly joined together in this house that God is building. You are here not by accident, but you are here on purpose because God is building something. And you are fitly joined. You are supposed to be where you are today. That means that my heritage doesn't matter. That means that my family tree doesn't matter. But God puts me in a family. But it also speaks to those that want a family. It speaks to those that maybe your children are grown spiritually. Maybe you have moved beyond the stage of where you would say you have a family. But it speaks to that God wants to put somebody in your family. That means that teaching never ends. That means instruction never ends. But I need to always be looking out for who God is putting in my family. I've got to pause here just for a minute. My eyes went down to the lines in the floor, and I need to move over half a square. Now I feel like I'm in the center. I'm not right or left. I'm right down the middle. My heart has returned to normal. (laughs) He makes the crooked lines straight. I'm thankful for that. In verse 6, it also states that, and that the psalmist states that God is a chain breaker who can break, bring people out. I'm thankful that God is still a chain breaker today. Amen. I'm thankful that I don't have to stay where my addiction, where my sin, where my problem, where my circumstance leaves me. But God is still a chain breaker today. And let me tell you, if you need something broken in your life today, Psalm 68 tells us that there is a God who is able to do that. That He can let your enemies be scattered. That He can break the chains. That He can set you free today. But then in verse 6, it goes on to refer to something. He says, he sets the solitary in families. He brings out those that are bound. And it says, but the rebellious dry, uh, dwell in a dry land or a deserted land. In this verse, it begins to remind me that there are consequences to my actions. There are consequences to my rebelliousness. There are things that I cannot get around sometimes. I know that God can forgive sin. I know that God does forgive sin. I know that He can take my past and He can put it underneath the blood. But there are still sometimes consequences that I must live with. 
And as much as I would like to get around some of the consequences, it is impossible. As I get older, I begin, uh, I'm past the stage of wondering, but now I realize that if I try to do something athletic anymore, it's not a question of will there be, there will be consequences that I will face over the next few days and possibly even weeks or months. It's a choice that I make about will I do this for a few hours and change the rest of my next two weeks. <laughs> and things are funny that way. That you can wake up the next day and feel great. But then three days later you're like why does that hurt? I didn't do anything. Yeah you did a week ago you did something. And it's just now hitting. <laughs> but there are consequences to my rebelliousness. That I can't just live however I want. I know that God is gracious and true to forgive, but there may still be consequences to my actions. I know that God can forgive something that even a court system can't forgive. And while I may be forgiven in my own life spiritually, I know the courts may have something different to say, that there's still a consequence. I can't just walk away from truth and nothing happen to me. I can't just leave what I know is true and even though God is gracious and merciful and forgiving and as soon as I turn back towards Him that He is faithful and true to forgive me, I can't just walk away from truth and no consequences happen in my life. I can't just refuse to acknowledge or follow God and then everything continue the way that it has always been. And verse 6 tells us what happens to the rebellious. It says that they dwell in a dry land. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that land before. I don't know if you've ever experienced times where you know that you did not follow what God had asked you to do. You know that you are not quite following after truth like you know that you should have followed after it. And you find Find yourself dwelling in this dry land. The reason that the children of Israel are in the wilderness, the reason they are in a dry land, is it's because a consequence of their own actions. That they went all the way up to the edge of the promised land, and they decided that God could not fulfill the promise. And so God makes them wander for 40 years in the wilderness because of their own doubt, because of their own belief. And there are people who blame God for everything that happens in their life. And they never come to the realization that the reason they are in a dry land is not just because God doesn't like them. It's not just because God doesn't care about them. But sometimes our actions, the consequences, leave us in a wilderness place, in a dry and barren place. The wilderness is a dry place. The wilderness is a dangerous place. If we just follow the children of Israel without going too much into in depth in it. But the wilderness is a place where my complaint begins to grow. <sighs> How many times you read about the children of Israel and, and very often when you hear about them as a group, it's usually followed by murmuring, complaining, because when it's dry, when people are struggling, when it's difficult, when it seems like your life is going in circles, that's where complaint begins to show up. And you begin to complain about every little thing. Sometimes if the kids get real bad, it becomes every little cotton-picking thing, whatever that is. It's a place where complaint begins to set in. It's a place where my complaint begins to lead to bitterness because it doesn't seem like I can get out of this dry place. It doesn't seem like I can ever find a way out. Like I said, 
It's a circle. You just keep wandering around and around. And the more you wander, the more bitterness begins to grow in your heart. It's a place that becomes difficult to live. It's hard to grow anything in a dry place. It's a place where I'm just seeming to scratch out my existence, where I'm just seeking to survive every single day. It's a place of wandering, of unsatisfied souls. The desert, the dry place, is a place of dissatisfaction. It's a place that you really don't want to end up. But I'm thankful this morning that God loves me too much to leave me. (laughs) I'm thankful this morning that even though I may find myself in a desert place, that God hasn't quit on me, that God hasn't given up on me. Psalms chapter 68 and verse 7 says, O God, when thou wentest forth before thy people, when thou didst march through the wilderness, Selah. Now, the word Selah used here was, was, a, was a musical term, and I'm not real up on musical terms, uh, but this was a musical term that said, you know what, you need to pause and take a break right here. We would maybe say a praise break. <laughs> this is where we're just going to let the music play for a while, and you just do whatever you want to do. You just worship however you want to worship for just a little while. And the verse that precedes that word is, O God, when thou wentest forth before thy people, when thou didst march through the wilderness. <laughs> All right, go ahead and have your praise break. <laughs> he says, you're not... <clears throat> You're not supposed to brush past this. You're not supposed to rush on to the next verse. I know they're giving the signal to go to the bridge, but you need to just hold on a minute for this verse. When you come across this word, you've got to stop and consider what was said. It should make you stop and think. And here's what the psalmist is saying. The, the, the rebellious, they dwell in a dry land. He said they're in a place where consequences have taken them. And it seems like God is far. And complaint is rising. And bitter is rising. It seems like God is far away and life is just a drudgery just to live. But then it says in verse 7, even though they were rebellious, even though they doubted God, even though they didn't have belief and faith in God that he would accomplish what he said he would, that God still went before his people, that God was still marching through the wilderness, that they were not alone in their rebellion. They were not alone even though they had turned against God. Let me tell you, you can't get far enough away from God God is still there God is still marching in the wilderness God is still leading God is still guiding when you think about the 40 years you need to understand that they were not just wandering along for 40 years but every step they took this verse tells me that before every step they took God went before them even in the middle of their rebelliousness that he was going before them every single step of the way Psalm 68 and verse 4 a few verses before says sing unto God sing praise to his name extol him that rideth upon the heavens by his name and rejoice before him Most commentators feel like that word heaven should be translated plain or desert. So it says, extol him that rideth through the deserts. That God still moves in dry places. That God still moves in the wilderness. That you don't have to lose hope. That you don't have to give up. I know you're there because of your own decisions. I know you might be there because it's your own fault. But God is still willing to move. He's still willing to touch. He's still marching before you today. (laughs) 
And the psalmist says you need to think about that for just a moment. You need to think on that thought for a moment. That I know as a child of God, I believe that God is going before me. I know that I decide that when I'm going to obey him, I know that God goes before me. But you need to understand what this verse says. Is that even when I disobey, even when I don't believe, even when I have doubt and I know I've messed up, God is still marching ahead of me. God is still leading the way. God is still making a path through the wilderness that I think I've turned away from God. But God is still right there next to me. Oh, come on. Let's give God praise right now. Come on. Why don't you think about that for just a moment? It should cause a praise to rise up in your heart that even in the wilderness, I'm not the only one there. That God is marching before me. Job chapter 23 and verse 8 says, Behold, I go forward. And guess what? He's not there. (laughs) I go backward and I can't perceive him. How many ever tried that? Well, I didn't see God there, so I'll just back up a few steps. And God still isn't there. I look on the left hand, your left hand, and where, where he usually is, but I can't behold him. And he hides himself on the right hand that I can't see him. That sounds like a wilderness place spiritually. That everywhere I look, that everywhere I turn, I can't see God. But verse 10 says, but he knoweth the way that I take. How does he know the way I take? Because he's already taken that path. He's already marched through the wilderness in front of me. He already knows the way I've taken because he has gone before me in my life. So let me encourage somebody this morning. It doesn't matter how much you have ever doubted God in your life. It doesn't matter how much faith you think you've lost in your life. It doesn't matter how much you've hesitated. How many times you've quit on God. How much uncertainty you have in your life. God is still with you. He hasn't left you. He hasn't forsaken you. In fact, He's still marching in front of you like you had never imagined. Oh, I know there's people all over this place that have a testimony. And they say, when I look back, what could you see? I could see God working in all those situations when I didn't know. That's what I'm talking about. That you may not see it right now, but he's out ahead of you. He's already marking the path. He's already setting the trail in front of you. Maybe in the middle of your wilderness, you just need a selah. Maybe in the middle of your wilderness, you just need to take some time and praise. You need to just praise if you're in the wilderness. You just need to quit your little pity party and complaining and and, and self-loathing and self-worth and all this stuff. And simply lift up your hands and say, God, I know you're still there. I want you to consider for a moment too, those, those of you that know people that are in the wilderness spiritually. You've got family members. You've got friends. Excuse me, just a moment. You've got family members. You've got friends. And you know that they are in the wilderness spiritually. And we use the term, they've walked away from God. Now, I know what we mean. we got a lot of stuff that we say that we know what we mean. It means they're just not here. They don't care about God. They've walked away from God. <laughs> but I think we've kind of taken that phrase and, and, and made it real. We think they've walked away from God. They may have turned away from truth. That's more realistic. They've turned away from truth. They've turned their eyes from truth. 
But if God is marching through the wilderness, even the rebellious in the dry land, and he is marching ahead of not the children of God, but the rebellious that have walked away from God. No, God, you can't walk away from God. God is in the wilderness. God is marching. You need to take comfort this morning that even those who have walked away from God, no, they have not walked away from God. They may not acknowledge truth, but God is still marching in their life. That God is still leading in their life you may not see it they may not see it they may not care about it but God has not left they don't know what's taking place but God is marching in the wilderness this morning so let me encourage you about your kids or your loved one this morning that have turned away from truth God has not left them God has not forsaken them no he's done just the opposite he is marching in front of them this morning I know they're rebellious but God is still there today Scripture tells me that all the earth is the Lord's. So as long as they're in the earth, He's the God of them. He's the God of the good times. He's the God of the mountains. He's the God of the valleys. He's the God of the wilderness. He's the God of the rivers. He's the God of the dry places. So I'm going to put them in their hands and thank the Lord that He's still leading, that He's still guiding, that He's still marching in the wilderness today. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. They may not know or understand, but I'm believing one day they'll stand up and say, you know, I I didn't care about God for a long time. But when I look back now... I see I wasn't blazing the trail that I thought I was. No, there was someone who had blazed the trail before me and I didn't even realize it. And you can stand up and say, I know that was God. He was marching in your wilderness. But included in that number, in the wilderness, there was all, all those who had doubted, who had disbelieved, who had said, man, I, there's giants, there's all that stuff. But included in that number in the wilderness that the psalmist is talking about are those that were born in the wilderness. Born in the wilderness. And these were people, the children of those who had doubted God. And we know that God said that a generation will pass, that none of you shall see the promised land except for Joshua and Caleb. So a whole generation had to pass. I've said it before, but man, I'd be helping the Lord bring that to pass at some point. Can you imagine, okay? <laughs> imagine that everybody knows that you can't go into the promised land until all of a generation dies and you're the last one. <laughs> There's no way I'd turn my back on anybody because everyone's just waiting for me to die so they can get in the promised land. <laughs> I'd be making my own food, getting my own water. I'd be checking my bed for anything. But included in that number are those who were born in the wilderness. And there's people that sometimes it's not the rebelliousness of their own heart that brought them to the wilderness. Sometimes we end up in the wilderness not by choice, but by circumstance. That we didn't decide to be here. We didn't decide to be in the circumstance we're in. We didn't make the choice that my health would start failing. We didn't make the choice that my family circumstances would end up this way. I didn't make the choice about my career this way or my job or or whatever may may have taken place. That you didn't choose to do that, but circumstances put you in a dry place. Circumstances put you in a wilderness. Sometimes we just end up in the wilderness just through the course of life. 
And in those moments, we begin to find the promises of God, the inheritances of God, become weary. I do want to mention, you'll see when they put a verse back up, when I finally get to a verse here. There's that little power bar up in the corner of the slide. I guess I'm getting old. I don't know how many times I checked the cord on my computer, make sure it was plugged in. I thought my battery was dying. Now I realize it was a slide. It was just a picture. <laughs> we find that the promises of God, though, in those dry places, when even though we didn't choose, those same things begin to creep up. Our murmuring, our complaining, bitterness towards God, wondering why are we wandering in circles through no fault of our own. We begin to find the inheritance begins to become weary. We know that our ultimate inheritance awaits us in heaven, and I'm looking forward to that day. And Peter tells us that we are begotten to a lively hope, to an inheritance incorruptible that fades not, that is reserved for you. And I understand that there is some place beyond this earth that is waiting for me, and I'm thankful and looking forward to that day. But there are moments in life when even that can begin to fade slightly in our eyes as powerful and as great as heaven is and is explained to us and we know that it goes beyond what we could even imagine or expect that even heaven itself never mind the promises of what God wants to do in our lives and in our families and in ministries what he wants to do it's amazing how even the promise and inheritance of heaven can begin to fade with the waiting our view gets clouded we get weary and the inheritance begins to seem far away. That word weary simply means impatient. You ever been impatient for what God said he was going to do? God, I know you said this, but it's been a long time. It also means grieved. You become grieved at what God said and, and it seems like it seems farther away than ever before. It means exhausting. You get tired of believing. You get tired of being faithful. You get tired of doing the same thing. And it means offended. Sometimes the promises begin to offend us because there's no way that we can see it coming to pass. And what we just want is some confirmation. How many of you would like confirmation in your life? That word just means established, secured, and settled. How many of you would like God to just settle some things in your heart and in your life? That you know, I, I, I don't see it happening, but God, if you could just confirm your word to me again, then I would be okay. And I'm sure that there were many times for those who were just born in the wilderness that they wanted some confirmation that I'm not going to live in the wilderness all of my life. There were people there that were born the first year that they were wandering in the wilderness. They're now almost 40 years old and their entire life they've heard about some promised land. But all their life has ever known is a constant, constant wandering in a circle. They keep passing by the same places and all they get told when they say, when is it going to happen? As it says, one day it will happen. And I wonder how many of those people just wanted a confirmation that the promise is real. The promise is still true. The promise is still in effect. And the psalmist states that when a confirmation of the inheritance was needed, that when the inheritance grew weary, that the confirmation that was sent, that God sent some rain. He sent some rain. Now, some people feel that this refers to the manna or the quail 
or even when the rock brought forth water twice, that it refers to this rain. But those are specifically mentioned in other passages. And let me just say that I like when God shows up in big moments. (laughs) I like when I ask God to do something and He does it in a big way. I like that when when you pray for someone, uh, they've got something major wrong and God heals them immediately. Or I say, Lord, I need you just to confirm something today. And he slaps you upside the head with a confirmation, then on the other side, and then drags you through another confirmation. And you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, hey, that was manna. Hey, that was quail. Hey, that was water coming out of a rock. I know that was God. And God does those things. He gives us those moments where we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there's no way that could have been anything else but God. But I don't know about you. Maybe you're uh, more spiritual. Maybe God speaks to you in a different way. But I don't wake up every day and get those. (laughs) I don't wake up to two foot of quail every day. I don't wake up and the rocks, well, actually it seemed lately with all the rain that some of the rocks are shooting forth water. There's so much rain. But sometimes all I get is not the quail, it's not the manna, it's not the the water coming out of a rock. Sometimes all I get in my life is rain, is some rain. Now, someone, uh, someone took some time that had more time than me, and they began to figure out how much water it would take, and, and roughly with 3 million people, and then their livestock, that for 3 million people in the wilderness every single day, it would take 11 million gallons of water just to provide them drinking water and enough to cook and to wash in 11 million gallons of water every single day. That would be just over 4 billion gallons a year. That means over 40 years that 160 billion gallons of water would need provided for the Israelites in a desert. In a desert. Not at the reservoir with, with geese floating on it <laughs> that are providing something else for us all. <laughs> Billions of gallons of water every single year. And we don't ever read where God sent billions of gallons of water to supply for them. I know there was the rock twice, but God leads them, God guides them. But how, can you imagine three million people just coming up to the reservoir with all their livestock? How much that would drain that lake, pond, whatever, whatever it is. How much it would drain that. And what would fill that? Because there's no water coming in, but it would be rain every single day. We find rain mentioned throughout the Bible. We find it's used in various connections. It's used with punishment and with promises. We find that rain was withheld in Egypt during Joseph's time. We know that rain stopped for three years during the days of Elijah the prophet. And very often rain is a part of the promise and the punishment of God. God would tell his people, in fact, in the promise when he speaks of Canaan, that it would be a land that would be watered by heaven. That there would be rain in due season. That there would be an abundance of rain for harvest. But we don't read anywhere in Numbers or Deuteronomy or anywhere where there was this miraculous outpouring of rain. But every day, rain would come. Every so often, rain would come. And the rain was not enough to comment on, but it was enough to fill for what the Israelites needed. (laughs) And see, sometimes the rain just is a simple, ordinary, common occurrence. 
Something that's so small that we don't even feel that we need to write about it or talk about it. And in fact, Sister Alicia mentioned sometimes testimonies that we don't even talk about. Sometimes that's the rain. It seems so small that we don't even want to share it. And then we begin to miss, though, the fact of how God uses the ordinary to confirm and to establish and to strengthen the weary inheritance. You see, we look for the manna. We look for the quail. We look for the rock that's going to bring forth water, which God can and does do in those big moments. But what about all the seemingly insignificant moments in between all the big ones? Those ones that provide on a daily basis. What about the rain in between those big moments of God? We, what got them to the promise, to the inheritance, was the daily rain that no one really even paid much attention to. Nobody writes about how often it rained. No, it just rained and it got them to their promise. These, this rain is what gave them strength. The rain is what gives me strength when my inheritance is weak. When my inheritance gets weary. And I'm here to simply challenge somebody today in your own life. Just look what the Lord has done. <laughs> Let me say, I know there may not be manna right now. I know that you didn't wake up and there was two foot of quail. I know there's no rock falling you around, giving you uh, uh, water when you hit it or when you speak to it. I know those things may not be happening. In fact, you may even be thinking about Egypt. You may even be contemplating about what you left behind. How good it used to be before you decided to follow God. Before you decided to obey His voice. But I'm here this morning to remind you about the rain. I'm here this morning to remind you about the little things today because that's what's going to strengthen the inheritance. That's what's going to give strength to the promise. I'm here to remind you today that you didn't have to wake up today but you did. I'm here to remind you that God could have taken your breath and your breathing right now. I'm here to remind you that you could be alone by yourself but God put you in a church today. I'm here to remind you that you could be lost in your sins but you sit here saved by the grace and mercy of God. I know it's not manna. I know it's not quail. But Lord, I just need a little rain today. I just need some confirmation to know that you're still moving, that you're still working. Oh, I'm here to ask you today, do you just have something a little to praise God for? I know you may not have the answer. I know you may not be crossing the Jordan into the promised land. But is there something that you can give God thanks for today? Is there something that you can lift a hand and say, Lord, I'm thankful for protection. Lord, I'm thankful that you brought me here today. Lord, I'm thankful for a word of encouragement I heard today. Oh, come on. Why don't you praise him for something small? Come on, why don't you thank him for the rain today? <laughs> or something else about the rain. It, it's, it's, it's waking up every morning and know that, knowing that his mercies are new and, and fresh every day. It's waking up and knowing that his grace is sufficient for me. You see, that's what gets me to my promise. Yes, it's the big moments, but in between it's those small everyday occurrences of rain. But there's something else about the rain. In verse 7, we already talked about it, that God marches through the wilderness. And then in verse 9, it says the inheritance is confirmed by rain. 
And there's a connection in Scripture, and there's a connection in this passage between the rain falling, just a common everyday rain, just the fact that you woke up, just the fact that you've got enough water today, just the fact that His grace is sufficient. There's a connection between that rain and the moving and marching of God. Here's why you need to see the rain in your life today. Here's why you need to understand that the rain can bring confirmation. Because if you can see the rain today in your circumstance, in the middle of the wilderness, in the middle of the driest part of your life, if you can see the rain today, then you can also know that God is still moving, that God is still working, that God is still marching on your behalf. All Elijah needed to see for, to know that God was moving was the cloud the size of a man's hand. And he said, you know what? It's just a cloud and it's small, but it's some rain. And because of that, I know God's word is faithful. I know God's word is true. I know that I can get up and I can do what God has asked me to do. Proverbs 16, 15, in the light of the king's countenance is life. And in and his favor is, is a cloud of the latter rain. The rain reminds me that his favor hasn't left me. That his favor hasn't forsaken me. That he still knows where I am. I know it's just a little rain, but he knows exactly where I am. Psalm 72, 6, he shall come down like rain upon the mown grasses about that time. And sh- as showers that water the earth, that God moves and the rain happens. Ezekiel 34 26 and I will make them and the places round about my hill a blessing and I will cause the shower to come down in his season. There shall be showers of blessings. I need to see the blessings that God has showered in my life today. I need to see what God has done in my life today and when I begin to recognize that I begin to recognize what God is still doing in my life today. Judges chapter 5 and verse 4. Lord, when thou wentest out of Seir, Seir, Ireland, when thou marchest out of the field of Edom, so God's marching. When he marches out of the field of Edom, the earth trembled. I want you to remember Psalms chapter 68. It says in verse 8, the earth shook. It sounds pretty similar that the earth is shaking, that when God is marching, that something is happening. And then when God begins to march and the earth begins to tremble, the heavens dropped. The clouds also dropped water. The word dropped used here, that word is most frequently used in the Song of Solomon. It's not just the big moments. It's not just the lightning bolts and the thunder that demonstrate God's love for you. No, it's the small showers in between that demonstrates He really loves you. I know you want a big gesture, but what about Him just showing up every day and say, I'm still caring for you. I still see you. My eye is still on you. I still know where you are. Maybe that's enough to give my weary inheritance the strength it needs. The word also means when it says the heavens dropped and the clouds also dropped water. That word dropped also means to prophesy. (laughs) So it says, and the heavens prophesied. (laughs) And the clouds also prophesied with water. Oh, somebody today, you need to let the small things begin to prophesy to you in your life today. I know it may not seem like much, but that small thing can begin to prophesy into your life. I know it's just a small shower, but it can prophesy that God is still going to confirm what he said he's going to do. That yes, my child will be saved. I know it's just a small rain. I know it's just something little, but I believe God can still accomplish what he said 
He's going to do. Maybe the rain needs to prophesy to you today that he hasn't left you, that he's still fighting for you, that he's still closer than you think, that God is still marching, that God is still moving, that God is still in front of me preparing the way for the promise. And I'm closing this morning. They want to come to the music quickly. They've held me up today. It's because of them. We know that we have an inheritance, and God is here to strengthen somebody today. He's here to strengthen the word that he spoke to somebody today. And it may not come in a blast of of lightning. It may happen that way today. It may be some uh, ground, earth-shattering thing that takes place. But I would submit to you today that it might be enough to simply feel his presence again. What if the very fact that I'm in his presence is enough to confirm that what he said is true? What if just the rain for today is enough? We know that we have an inheritance and we are a spiritual Israel. And Israel was first promised a land and then a Messiah. They seems like they've always had a promise. And you and I have countless promises that we can claim both personally and also from Scripture that tell us all the way to an inheritance of eternal life with Him waiting. There's promises countless throughout Scripture. He won't leave us. He's there. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. That he's faithful and true to forgive. In Psalm 68, we read of the strength God gives for us to continue to believe in the promises. For me to have my faith and courage that when my inheritance is weak, he can do something to strengthen me. But this passage is not just a reference to you having faith that God will do what he said he was going to do. That's in there. But it's not just about that. Because so many times my focus gets turned on my promise. It gets turned on then the difficulty of my circumstance. And all that surrounds what I'm wanting, what I need confirmation for. That I need to remember something else. Not only do I have an inheritance. Not only do I have a promise. But I am His inheritance. Psalms 94, 14 says, For Jehovah will not leave his people, nor will he forsake his inheritance. We know that Israel is a type of the church. And so when he speaks to Israel, he speaks to you and I today, that God will not leave his people. And here's the reason why. Not just because he wants the promises he spoke to you to come to pass, even though that's true, but he wants you to know that you are his inheritance. What that means is as much as I care about what God has promised in my life, as much as I care about my family and things that God spoke to me and making it to heaven for myself, as much as I care and put effort into that, that's how much care and even more effort He puts into you because you are His inheritance. If you care that much that you want confirmation, God cares that much more that He will reach down and strengthen you today. Ephesians 1.18, Paul speaking, he says that the eyes of your mind, having been enlightened, he wants our eyes to be opened for you to know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. This passage speaks and mentions that phrase, glory of his inheritance in the saints. Perhaps a, a better way to understand that could be that we have been made an inheritance for God. 
I don't know what God has spoke to you, what promises he may have spoke to you, what promises you've gleaned out of his word. I don't know what heaven means to you. I hope it means a lot. (laughs) But then when I take all of what I feel on those things and then consider that someone cares that much about me because I'm his inheritance. You see, God, our riches are in God, but God's riches are in us. He's tied up in us. You need to understand that you are his possession, his treasure, and he has things in store for you. And as much as I can hope and trust and put faith in the promises given to me, God wants to do even more in my life and for me. As much as he wants to strengthen my belief in the promises, even more, he wants to just strengthen me today. Deuteronomy 32, verses 9 and 10. For Jehovah's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. Again, this refers a parallel to the church. He found him in a desert place. And in the waste, a howling wilderness, he encircled him and cared for him. He guarded him as the pupil or apple of his eye. You see, that's where God found me. He found me in a desert place. I was in a wasteland, a howling wilderness. And you know what he did one day? He encircled me and he cared for me. Now, I think we can tie this in with the rest of Scripture that they may not even have known when God began to encircle them. Because God marches before the rebellious in the wilderness when the rebellious don't even care. I believe God's got people encircled that they don't even care about God right now. But God cares about them. And He's got them encircled this morning. He's got them, He's he's guarded them. That you are the apple, that you are the pupil of His eye. That you're not just something insignificant. No, you are His inheritance. You are the treasure that He has above all else. That He cares for you above anything else. And He wants to confirm His inheritance today. He wants to establish you today. Not just His Word. He wants to strengthen you today. He wants to give you the energy you need to make it another day. He wants to renew the joy of your salvation today. He wants to give you what you need in this place today. You see, sometimes I don't need my promise strengthened. If I'm honest, I just need strengthened. It's not about all the words that he's given to me. I'm not even at that point. I just need strength. And this morning, maybe it's not the promises, but it's me, his inheritance, that needs strengthened today. Isaiah 28 and 11. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to his people. To whom he said, This is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing that they would not hear. What's this? For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to his people. Refers to the Holy Ghost. (laughs) To whom he said, the Holy Ghost is the rest. Wherewith he may cause the weary to rest. And the Holy Ghost is the refreshing. Oh, we came all the way back to the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Yeah, you want your inheritance strengthened this morning? You know the best way to do it? Get a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost today. I I guess I could have just started and just said, everyone needs to pray through. All right, altar call. That's what I need today. I know I want manna. 
I, I know I know I want a, a rock bringing forth water. I know I want quail everywhere. I may even want core to be swallowed up. I want the earth to swallow up and destroy all my enemies today. Maybe that's how I feel. But let me tell you what scripture says. That there's a rest wherein the weary can find rest. That what you really need is not some downtime. What you really need is not some relaxing time. What you really need is the Holy Ghost to refresh you today. What you really need is the power of God to come down and confirm one more time that you are His. That He cares about you. That He sees you in the dry place. That He knows where you are today. And He has not forgotten you. He is still leading and marching in the wilderness. Paul tells us in Corinthians, the Spirit is the seal and the earnest of our inheritance as we stand this morning. That simply means that the Holy Ghost is the down payment of what's to come. That it means that there is a promise of more to come in my life. So if I need reminded of the inheritance, what better way than to crack the seal on the Holy Ghost, if you would, to open up the Holy Ghost today and say, Lord, I want you to remind me one more time. You know, maybe all you need is just to speak in tongues today. I, I, I know, well, I've done that a bunch of times before. You just need some rain today. You just need a God, God to do something that seems just ordinary. But you know what? It's that everyday thing that gets me to my promise. God is providing in the wilderness. I just need a fresh touch of His Spirit. I I wonder this morning if I could just let His Spirit convince me that He's still moving, that He's still working, that when I feel, when I lift my hands and begin to feel His presence, that it's not just me feeling His presence, but no, that's a confirmation that God hasn't left me. He hasn't forsaken me. Maybe the promises of God are far away right now and it seems impossible for it to work out. Maybe you just need to feel His presence again today and the rain lets me know that God is still marching, that God is still moving. And even though I look in front and I don't see Him in behind me and I don't see Him and I look on the left and the right and He's not there, I can still put my faith and trust that He knows the way that I take and that He's so far out in front of my situation that I can barely see Him because He's prepared the way so much for me in my life. Oh, come on. I want us to pray right now. I want us to pray that the Holy Ghost would confirm itself to us. That I want us to pray that the promise would be confirmed to us one more time. That the inheritance that's here today, whether it's words that God has spoke to you, or whether you as the inheritance simply need strength in what seems like a desert place. I want us to pray right now. Lord, simply send a little rain into my life today. Oh, come on. Why don't you lift your hands? Why don't you begin to talk to the Lord? Come on, He's here to confirm His Word today. He's here to speak into your heart and life today. He wants to do something in you today. He wants you to leave with assurance. He wants you to leave with a confidence that even though I may still be in the wilderness, that I know He's still moving. He's still reaching. He's going before my kids. He's going before my ministry. He's going before the words He spoke to me. He's given me strength to make it through today. He's given me strength to make it through tomorrow. Oh, in Jesus' name. Oh, let your spirit move right now, God. Lord, we need a confirmation of your spirit today. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Amen. I'm going to open this altar this morning. Perhaps you have a weary inheritance today. Whether it's a promise that seems distant. 
Whether you find yourself in a place where it seems like, man, this is, I know why I'm here. God's still marching in front of you. Or maybe you just need strength today. Maybe what life is thrown at you is just, man, it's, it's about to get you. You are the weary inheritance. God wants to lift you up today. He wants to strengthen you today. And it, hey, He may give you manna today. He may dump a bunch of quail on you today. But you know what? I'm going to say, Lord, it's enough just to feel your presence one more time. It's enough just to come in your house. That's enough for me to know that you're there. You're still moving. Come on, I'm opening this altar. If you need strength, if you need encouragement today, come on, and you just need the Spirit of God to move in your heart and life today. Oh, I need you today, Jesus.